a beginning point. It's the beginning of the rest of my life. I got the meaning, and I got to write it down, because I don't want to forget it. Just win, baby. And welcome back to the Gold Jacket Podcast, proudly sponsored by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog has it all, daily, weekly, and season-long best ball tournaments that are literally happening 365 days a year. You could probably find one right now. Plus, you can play their pick them prop games. You get five picks right, and you can win 20 times your money. Head on over to underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code TNFF. You know the code. You will get a 100% deposit match up to $100. I'm your host, Gymnastic. You know this. You can find me on Twitter at GoldJacketJoined. Or you can find me on Twitter at GoldJacketQBs. I knew I was going to fuck something up. I'm joined, as always, by the other hosts of the show. The more knowledgeable, the more professional, the always dapper Connor Donald. You can be found at Twitter at Connor10. That's T-E-N, fellas and ladies, not the ones and the zeros. We are proud members of the True North Fantasy Football Network. Make sure to check out the entire network on Twitter at True North FFB. YouTube, it is the TNFF Network, and on the internet, it is truenorthffb.com. I almost threw that .com on the Twitter handle. No bueno. You can find articles, rankings, podcast streams, so much more. Tonight is the beginning of the first of eight weeks of our division breakdown. We're talking each team in their relevant fantasy positions, so Connor's probably going to be skipping over a lot of tight ends presenting our gold and fool's gold in each division and at each position. Connor, what's going on, buddy? Well, not much, man. It, it is uh, that time of the year where, you know, everybody's going to that uh, NBC Edge feed and, and uh, you know, reading everything and overreacting and reacting to everything. Uh, the Deshaun Watson case is, is starting to come to resolve um it looks like dan schneider and the nfl are going to be in a lot of trouble with the uh well with the senate whatever they decide to do it, it's a great time of year in the nfl it's crazy everybody's overreacting to everything so what better way to do it than to just talk about the divisions and to look at each position and find you some players who you should be buying into or find you some players who you should be completely avoiding because some things are more obvious than others. So let's dive in. obvious. Nothing. Maybe not Zero. everything. I, I think there's <laughs> one pretty obvious thing about this division we're talking tonight, the AFC East. But that's about it for this division. I will preface this by saying this is probably one of the divisions I have the least amount of share of players in. And when I went through each position, I was like, oof, oof. Like, I just look and I'm just like, yeah, you can draft some of these guys at wide receiver 65, but you're literally drafting a guy who's probably going to be a wide receiver 40 for you and you're never going to play. Like, it, 
I'm lo- I'm lost with this division. That, that's just kind of yeah. But there's there, there's some division. there's some there's some hype in this division though. Like there's there some, some hype, hype some, in this division. There's, there's, there's two elite wide receivers apparently. There's a young gun in this in this thing. There's a guy busting out, getting ready to have a, a bust out career season according to his uh, OC. To me, this division seems like the battle for second place, the race to chase. Right, everyone's going to be chasing. Uh, the the Buffalo Bills, we all we all know that. Um, but that's as far as I think they go. Division pretty one, pretty, but... pretty much. But let's kick it off. Let's start with yeah, the man. back position. Um, I'm gonna let's start with the New England Patriots. I mean, I know that you and uh, we're in a couple group chats where there's some love for Mac Jones. I personally am not fully there on it. I mean, his underdog ADP since the draft is is QB twenty six. So I understand you can get him dirt cheap. It is what it is. But, I mean, then you look at the actual fantasy relevant stats and his points per game of 25th and his per fantasy points per dropback of 22nd. And I'm just like, where are we going with Mac Jones? You can take him as your third QB. Okay, cool. But are you ever going to play him? Can you trust him? Are the fantasy pieces there for to work for him to make him fantasy relevant? I always kind of co- compared him to like Derek Carr or Kirk Cousins, but then I see Derek Carr. You love Derek Carr. I do love Derek <laughs> Carr, but I, I compare him for the safety. The, the, they complete a lot of passes. Their completion percentages are great. They're safe quarterbacks. They don't throw a lot of interceptions. But then I sit there and I'm like, but – Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins are kind of good for fantasy, and I'm just not there. And they're also buy- not rookies. They also weren't rookies last year. You're comparing a rookie Did you also- that was held that was held on a leash that has been openly said. Or he hasn't openly said, but it's been leaked out that New England wanted him on a tight leash and refused to let him go with the push ball, push the ball down deep. I understand he had a terrible deep ball percentage. Uh, I was looking into that. It was actually not really good. Um, but this is still the guy that was was lighting the world on fire, right? At Alabama, he was the, like you saw what he could do at Alabama. What I really think the problem was last year was the New England Patriots just trying to get into the playoffs. Let's just save our hope and get in. You know what I mean? They knew they weren't going to beat the Bills uh, to, for the race for that division title. Let's just protect ourselves. Let's play. Let's play vanilla football. And get in. Let's not let Mac Jones see ghosts, for uh, a lack of a better term, like one quarterback in this division previously did. Um, and just keep him on a short leash, right, or on a, on, a, on a little short leash. Like give what the give what the what the defenses are giving you. Dink and dunk it. That's fine. It's gonna come out. It's gonna eventually explode. Um, I'm a big fan of Jacoby Myers. The guy, you know, has a massive target share for the last two years. Sure, he didn't score touchdowns, but there's other guys that didn't score touchdowns. But he isn't getting that target share for lack of better options, I don't think. I think he's getting that target share because he's decent and he can do what he wants to do, and he's building that connection with Mac Jones. I see a very good future for Mac Jones. I don't see him ever becoming the prince of the AFC East here, but, uh, you know, I'm sorry to say it, you're – you're rolling with a with a top dog and arguably the Q the QB one in fantasy drafts with Josh Allen, but like I said, it's a race to chase second as a QB twenty six. It's unbelievable, uh, unbelievable value for you. You're going to get him as your QB two or your QB three, like you said, and that's fine. I would love to throw Mac Jones in week in week out of my super flex spot. I only think it's going to get better for him. He didn't show to have uh, 
rookie star jitters, didn't hit any really aforementioned wall. And, I mean, everybody else seems to be shitting on the other rookie quarterback in this in this league, and I take him too, but I'd rather have Mac Jones over over the other one personally, but you can get him a lot cheaper. Um, everybody knows who I'm talking Agreed. about, I guess. Yeah, well, we are going to talk about him next because he's also being drafted in a similar ballpark. But, I mean, I agree, like – but is that not the Patriots way of football? Like they've never been a team that goes crazy, pushing the ball down the field, doing this thing, even with Tom Brady, they, they, this is just who they are. This is how Bill Belichick is. And it, that's something that concerns me is, are, is, are we going to see this? Or are you going to let the guy loose? We've seen guys come out of Alabama like that. We're going to talk about another Alabama product and Tua Tagovailoa in a little bit. Same situation. We saw him let it loose in, at, at Alabama. And look what's going on now in the NFL. Matt Jones could be a really good quarterback in the NFL, but does that necessarily mean he's going to be a good fantasy quarterback or a good fantasy asset? That doesn't necessarily – the two things don't necessarily correlate always. We, we've seen it before. They, you can be a safe quarterback. You can be a good quarterback. You can help your team make the playoffs. And then what? Who knows, but that doesn't necessarily correlate with a good fantasy quarterback. So, I mean, I want to see him let that ball go. I want to see him do more. I know that the mobility is not there. So when you take away the mobility, look at some of the top mobile, the top quarterbacks for fantasy. You got Kyler Murray, you got Josh Allen, you got Lamar Jackson, you got Jalen Hurts. Some of these top five guys last season had humongous mobile upside. So for Mac Jones to become really, to really get into the thick of things and become like a top eight to top 10 quarterback, he's got to be able to unleash that ball. He's got to be able to throw like it to land at the eight to 12 range. The man's got to be Matthew Stafford, 5,000 yard, 44,000, 4,500, 5,000 yard seasons, 30 touchdown seasons. And you just don't really see, I just don't necessarily see that happening in New England for Mac Jones. But you're not drafting Mac Jones to be the top 10. You're not no. even. No. Agreed. You're not. It's it's fine. It's absolutely fine to take that slap and build your team elsewhere. He's a safe quarterback that's not going to lose you games in fantasy. Mm-hmm. And my other argument with it, now he's not Tom Brady. I understand he's not Tom Brady. But he wasn't. Tom Brady isn't a mobile quarterback. And Bill Belichick. And Tom Brady gave you QB1 seasons. He gave you QB1 seasons. I mean, I understand it might have been a different era in NFL, but it's not saying it can't be done. It's mm-hmm. not saying it can't be done. Bill Belichick played it fucking safe, straight up. Absolutely, 100%. and he played it safe. He played it safe with fucking Brady when he came in with Bledsoe. It's not like it's new for him. He did the same thing. He didn't let Brady off the leash right away when he came in. Fair. I agree with that. I like that sentiment. And uh, we'll move on to the other rookie that we were talking about. And that is the New York Jets and Zach Wilson, who currently is an underdog ADP of QB 22. He had two top 12 game QB games last season. And then he also had five games where he had less than 10 points, which was really ugly. And we know that a lot of Zach Wilson owners uh, were not necessarily thrilled with the output uh, from Zach Wilson and the frustrating play of Zach Wilson. There is now Garrett Wilson added to the mix, Brees Hall added to the mix, CJ Uzuma to the mix, Ty Conklin to the mix. His receivers ranked third with 41 total drops and ranked 32nd in target separation and 39th in yak per target. They literally did nothing. When you talk about getting help from your secondary pieces and your receivers, 
Zach Wilson got zero help from anybody as far as receiving goes. He didn't help himself, but it's not like the people he, the pieces he had around him were really helping him either. We like Zach Wilson. We are Zach Wilson fans here. QB 22. I'm okay with that. Uh, he he has the upside. So see, whereas Mac Jones doesn't necessarily have the sexy upside, I think Zach Wilson has the upside. I think he can, he, that upside is definitely there. You can see it in some of his play. You saw it at BYU. You saw how he came to relevance in the first Be place. Be very careful, though, with that, because it all depends on what leagues you're going to play in. If you're going to play in leagues that are going to penalize for uh, incompletions and drop passes, then it's Mac Jones you want. Oh, He's 100%. a completion monster. Right, 100%. it's the Matt Stafford's, it's the Mac Jones, it's the Derek Carrs, it's the Kirk Cousins, it's those guys that you're gonna want. It's the, it's the safe throw, don't throw it in a tight window, take what the defense gets you type of quarterback that you get. I mean, it's very rare you're gonna come across that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I agree. You definitely gotta know your league rules for sure before you make that move. But I mean, they, like you look at people who break down tape, guys who are a lot better at breaking down tape than me and you. And they say there's stuff there for Zach Wilson to work with. There's lots to Absolutely work with. The, the New York Jets is. were just terrible last year. They were putrid. Here's, here's what I want to ask uh, you and really like proverbially ask everybody else who's going to fucking be listening. Um, y'all love that fucking Mac Jones pro day uh, scrambling to the left, throwing across the shoulder pass, right? Y'all liked it? Y'all liked it, correct? I mean, I was Willis, there was a, right? every year there's one. Right. Yeah, but you guys were all impressed with that pass and the pro day for Zach Wilson, right? Look at the tools. Look at the tools. Look at what he has. I didn't see anything different in that pass than what I saw in the regular season. I saw flashes of that easily. What I saw was a shit, shit fucking supporting cast around him doing absolutely nothing to help that kid. And the offensive line was bad. But – but again, his mechanics on that throw and on that pro day were the exact same. Everything that you loved about that pro day, he didn't lose in the NFL. He didn't shorten his stance. He didn't panic. He went through his reads consistently. He found the right reads. He got fucking let down with a lot of drops, man, and the shitty fucking offensive line. When he could get through his reads, he looked fine. Looked fine looked no different in his mechanics or thought process than he did in his pro day so it wasn't on zach it was on the team and if you think the team got better why don't you still believe in the kid i want to ask these people why not seriously and like you look at it like you look at some of the top quarterbacks right now their yak per target from their supporting cast is high i can guarantee patrick mahomes and josh allen's are high Because you need a supporting cast. You need people there. You can't rely solely on air yards, especially when this guy threw, I think, his average per game was just over 200 yards. Like, that's not a lot of air yards. So if you just get a little bit of air yards and then very limited yards after the catch after that, you're going to do nothing from a fantasy perspective. And it's unfortunate. So, And I think the New York Jets realize that. And that's why they brought in Garrett Wilson. That's they have Elijah Moore there. Corey Davis, instead of being a wide receiver one or two, is now the wide receiver three. You fixed the tight end position, which you targeted the least in all of the NFL. It was targeted 12% of the time because there was literally nobody there. It was like Tyler Croft and and garbage at the tight end position. They, he had nothing to work with. And like you said, nothing changed about the guy. 
It's just what the situate what he was standing behind when he took the snap and what he was seeing and the players that were playing around him were just not that good. And then Corey Davis was hurt for certain moments. Elijah Moore was hurt for certain games. Michael Carter was hurt for certain games. Injuries, nothing worked to Zach Wilson's favor. And if you're sitting there and you're saying you can get this guy a QB 22 and the athleticism that he possesses, and if things start to go the right way, this guy's easily going to outperform QB 22. It's, it's without a doubt, this guy can easily be a high-end QB 2, I think. Without a Absolutely. doubt, I think he could be 13 to 16. Absolutely. Now, like I said, I think the Jets went the right way and put tools in front of him to, to succeed. And so if he doesn't now succeed, or never. That, yeah, if he doesn't succeed now and he's, you know, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, and Corey Davis aren't making these fucking ridiculous drops. Brees Hall and Michael Carter are the one-two punch that they expect. And this offensive line holds up to be at least a top 10. Then, yeah, the things are, are all on him. And maybe, you know, it's not – maybe he is different. But I didn't see anything different from what he did in the NFL as far as mechanics and intellect than what I saw at his pro day. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Next up, we'll keep this guy brief. Josh Allen, Woo! arguably the QB one, arguably the king. I am talking to a Chiefs fan, Patrick Mahomes. We can't leave him out of the conversation, Woo! obviously. Two straight seasons, Josh Allen was the QB one in fantasy points per game. Top three across the board in Russian. He's got the mobility, um, and he ranked top five in a ton of key categories that relate to fantasy QB relevance. This deep ball attempts, air yards, red zone attempts, pass attempts. Everything you want to love about a guy. See, if you're sitting there, it's Josh Allen or it's Patrick Mahomes. I won't fault you for either decision that you make. At this point, I think I would be Josh Allen. The weapons so are I. there. His ability is there. The the everything is so there. I, but but to why really would you exactly? QB one. You know why I would? Because the consistency with Diggs. Mm-hmm. That's back it. To back. I, lo- I, mean, we're I, lo- I love into, Kelsey. But... I love Kelsey, man. I like the consistency he has with Kelsey and Mahomes. But um, let me ask you real quick on, on a sideline no-no. Because the, the absolute skyrocketress from Josh Allen is unheard of. Unicorn. I mean, again, call him a bust. I didn't like the way he rushed too much. Ball out. Never protected it. I was going to cost him more games. His turnover rate was fucking absolutely horrendous. Then he gets Stefan Diggs, and he is back-to-back the QB1. How much of it is Josh Allen and his pure talent, and how much is it is Stefan Diggs? Because, I mean, we've seen the we've seen the the, the wide receiver oneness uh, ceiling out of Diggs with Cousins, right? And in Minnesota, we saw that, that ability be there. So mm-hmm. how much is it Diggs, and how much is it Josh, you think? 50-50, I'm interested in your thoughts on this. We're going to dive into the wide receivers a bit later, and I found a stat that I am going to vehemently argue against for Gabriel Davis and Isaiah McKenzie, and this one of these guys is going to be super fantasy relevant. But I think you're looking at 60-40, 60 for Josh Allen, 40 for Stefan Diggs, because when I, show, when I present this stat for the wide receiver position, you will see – he makes everyone relevant for a week or two here and there. And then there's Stefan Diggs. Like he can work with whatever. Like at the start of the season, Stefan Diggs was putrid. Stefan Diggs was horrible for the first like six weeks, six, seven weeks of this past season. But yet Josh Allen still maintained 
almost week in and week out of being like a top five fantasy quarterback and being able to work with other pieces that are there. I think Josh Allen is just that good. His meteoric rise, like you said, he's a unicorn. He's a damn unicorn. Don't go anybody. If anybody wants to go and say this guy could be like Josh Allen, if he developed, don't, don't use that comparison. Do not ever (laughs) use that comparison because that it only has ever happened once. It has only happened with Josh Allen. The meteoric rise, the complete improvement in how he protects the football, the complete improvement in his accuracy, the complete new how he threw the football, everything that you never see that. All those things lining up to become what he became is a 100% unicorn, 90, I guess you can't say 100%. It is a 99.5% unicorn situation. I will leave that 0.5% open because someday, 25, 30 years from now, maybe when we're not even around or we're not even talking about fantasy football, there might be another guy that can do it. There might be that guy who comes around once every 30, 40 years to do it. But it is so unicorn-like that you cannot draw that comparison to anybody like right now. And like some people mm-hmm. were like, I like, what was that? I think it was Malik Willis. If he can do things like Josh Allen. No, 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 no. Don't say that. You're setting expectations up to fail if you want it to be like that. But I think it is probably I would go 60-40 because when Stefan Diggs was off, Josh Allen was still able to be on and he wasn't fully reliant upon Stefan Diggs. Fair enough. Fair enough. Lastly, you want to touch on, on the last one? Lastly, yeah. but not least, a Gold Jacket podcast disappointment, we can call him yeah, at this oh point, God. I think. And this is Tua Tungavailoa, the QB 17 and underdog ADP. Are the weapons enough to help him become fantasy relevant, Jim? I got to know. I got to know because I, I wrote a piece for Player Profiler that's coming out soon, and, and mm. I'm not there. I don't think so. I'm not there. I personally am not there. I have been on the fence on saying, why did you pay Tyree Kill to do the short yardage situational stuff that Jalen Waddle did. Jalen Waddle, in my opinion, was a pure volume guy that just got its volume severely slashed. I've argued with numerous people that I respect on this. You do not pay a man $25 million to get fucking 90 targets. And you want to know why you don't? Because that man came out recently and said the Chiefs misused him and did not use him properly. The ninth most rated guy, or sorry, the what was he, the fifth most rated targeted guy with the ninth most catches. Underused? He wants more than that? I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, I wish him all the best and all, but like, take your ring and get the fuck out of here. You, you have back-to-back seasons where he had over 135 targets. He produced <coughs> 1,200 yards. He had nine touchdowns, 15 touchdowns. He was, by fantasy points per game, the, Q, the wide receiver six and the wide receiver two. And then the year before that, when he saw 88 targets, 58 receptions, 860 yards, seven receiving touchdowns, he was a wide receiver 11. What more usage do you want? Misused and underused. What other usage you want, I am not sure. But I agree with you. I I argue often that Jalen Waddle is a byproduct of his volume. And say we're sitting there, what did he have? I think it, what was it, 140 targets last year? Something like that. He broke the rookie record, right? Yeah, he had a ton of targets. 
And his yards per reception was one of the lowest. Like his yards per reception was under 10. He didn't even, I don't, if I remember correctly, he didn't even have a thousand yards no. on 140 targets. And you How sit there. How many catches did he have? How many receptions? And you sit there. Let me pull that up. And you sit there and you're going to argue with us that Jalen Wall is not a byproduct of volume. He's 100%. He had 142 targets, 104 receptions. My apologies. He had 1,015 receiving yards on 9.8 yards per reception and six receiving touchdowns. I'm sorry. You're 100% a byproduct of your of volume. You have to be for that circumstance and that situation. Like, I just – and I – I got to pull up my article. I In the last, I think it was five years, three teams have had two receivers with 135 or more targets in the same season. There's no way Tua Tagovailoa is going to be the one to be the fourth team in six years to sustain 235 target wide receivers. I understand that, that Tyreek Hill can do it, Tyreek Hill can do a lot for himself, but Jalen Waddle, I think, is more of a byproduct of the volume, and I think less volume is not good for him. Take away 15, take away 20, 25 of those targets, take away 10 to 12 of those receptions, and what do we have? We don't even have a top 24 wide receiver. So, I, I mean, when the article comes out, you'll have to go read it. I, I, I dive into some deep details on this and some deep stats on this. And I do remember that stat specifically that over the last five years or three or five years, there have only been, it was five years, only three teams have had wide, two wide receivers, multiple 135 target wide receivers. You're not going to get the targets for both of these guys in this offense with Mike McDaniel coming over and his run first Kyle Shanahan mentality. It's, It's not, I just don't, I know this is supposed to be about Tua, and we've kind of done I know, but there's not much you can say about Tua, so it's okay. It's a good segue right into him. Fuck him. We'll go right to the wide receivers. Golden Fools Gold. It's our show. I'll I'll keep it simple. Gold for me is Josh Allen. That's the guy. That's the dude. you got to draft that guy. You have to. The Fools Gold for me is going to be Tua. Like, when you look at Mac Jones, he's QB 26 and underdog ADP. You look at... Zach Wilson, QB 22. You look at Tua Tagovailoa, QB 17. Who is the most likely to outperform and who is the most likely to underperform? It's simple. To me, it's simple. I think the most likely to underperform that ADP is Tua. The guys with the best shot to overperform is a guy who had one of the worst offenses you're ever going to see and a guy who had one of the most vanilla, stagnant, boring offenses you're ever going to see. And they're literally being drafted at the points where they finished last season. They can easy outperform that with what's being been put in front of them. So my golden fool's gold were simple in this category. I don't know about you, Jim. Oh, I agree with the fool's gold. It's too a tongue of my law. Uh, my, my actual gold goal is uh, mac and cheese, the cheddar mac, the mac daddy. He's going to get you some cheddar. I'm telling you, QB26, you got to be fucking smoking some crazy gate. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Let's hop into the running back positions. Uh, fun fact, all four teams rank in the top 10 easiest strength of schedule for the running back position. New England has the second easiest schedule. Miami, the third. The New York Jets, the fifth. And the Buffalo Bills have the eighth easiest strength of schedule for the running back position per fantasy pros. 
So let's dive in because there could be some really good value if you're looking to flip some of these guys. Maybe Michael Carter, maybe Devin Singletary, maybe a couple guys you're waiting for some good games out of. Maybe that could happen with this easy strength of schedule. Let's start with the New York Jets. Of course, the latest report, Brees Hall is the Batman to Michael Carter's Robin. To nobody's surprise whatsoever, that beat reporter, A1 job on uh, reporting that because nobody would have thought that when you invested a second round pick in a quarter in a running back that he was going to be the Batman to the Robin to the guy you drafted the year before. Um, there is opportunity to light Carter in the Robin role. We've talked about this before. Um, the Jets RBs were targeted the sixth most last sixth most last season with at 125 times. Carter delivered an eighth ranked yards per reception and a 13 ranked yards per touch. His yards per carry weren't that great. And that's hence why they had to get a Batman because he wasn't that good at the Batman lead role task. Despite only five top 24 showings in 14 games, he was still the RB28 in fantasy points per game. He is currently going as the RB46. Post-draft on underdog, he has dropped from pick 67 to pick 143. So he's literally dropped like double. You went from being able to get him in round 5-6 to now you can get him in the round 10-12 to 12 range. And we've talked about that before. We really like Michael Carter as a value, and the value is getting better by the day. Um, and my question here is, could Hall be too rich and expectation, expectations maybe be too high? Hall's going as the RB19, but since the draft on underdog has gained a whole round of value um, going at the 4-5 turn now, the Jets ranked dead last at 22.4 rush attempts per game. And over the last year, three years have ranked 20th with 26.3 attempts per game. I understand that the offense has been pretty bad. So hopefully the, you know, the game script flips a little bit and Brees Hall gets some more touches. But Michael Carter did really well with limited touches last season. And the guys who were in front of him get in more targets or similar target share, like Tevin Coleman and... Um, and what's his face? The other Jets running back last season, um, he had like 52 targets or something. Ty Johnson. He had like 52 targets. It was absurd the amount of targets this guy had. So, Jim, I want to get your take on this because Brees Hall's kind of going in the running back dead zone now, and it feels like Michael Carter is in like the perfect zone to be like, I'll take the shot on this guy. So what are your thoughts? Oh, man, Michael Carter, of course, man. If you weren't taking shots on that motherfucker in the fifth, sixth round, you better be taking him now in the 11th. Uh, of course, Brees Hall is going overrated. Um, I don't know if I talked about it on camera with you previously or not, but the 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 um, the drill I do with the 101s, right? When I said JT was a 101, where'd you rank him in your dynasty running backs? Usually 101. All right, where's Najee Harris going? Okay, 108, perfect. Where's Brees Hall going? Oh, like 110, 112. Like, ah, that's really rich for me. Where's B. John Robinson going then? Well, B. John Robinson is probably going to be going up there in your fucking 105, 106 range. So you're already going to be bumping that motherfucker down in your dynasty rankings already in one year off one guy. There's not, I can name another three guys that you're going to slot ahead of, ahead of them. So, yeah, I think he's going a little too rich, and I think he's going to be a depreciating value. He's like a car. He's like a depreciating value as soon as you roll him off that lot. Um, he's not like Najee. 
Najee rolled that motherfucker off the lot in that rookie draft. Instantly worth three firsts. Brees Hall, I don't think so, man. And I think uh, it's depreciating more and more the closer we get to to week one. And uh, you really see what's going to happen. When I mean, good, Michael good. Carter, if you... Michael Carter is going to be the man. Like, Michael Carter did nothing wrong to, to not get a fucking 60-40 roll on that offense. Agreed. That's way too big of a share people think that he's not going to get. And like th- I think that people need to realize in this offense last year that's that that pie was split like four ways. That backfield was split ugly. It was brutally split. It was disgusting to watch. Now they have that one-two punch. They have what they want. They don't need this committee like they had last season. They can have that one. They can have that two. And then they can have that third completely irrelevant guy who's going to get like three or four opportunities a game just because there's always that one guy on a football team that, that gets that opportunity. But to me, I agree with you. If you got Brees Hall in your rookie draft, that's fine. This was this was a year to get a guy like Brees Hall 101. It is what it is. No one's going to argue with you on that point. If you're drafting him in startup leagues, and this was RB19 and underdog, so this is like with a redraft twist to it. But if you're drafting him in Dynasty, I guarantee you he's going higher than RB19 right now. He, he's going in the top 12. He's going in the top 10. I've seen him going in the top eight among the running backs. And – that's where the mistake happens if you're doing a startup and you're drafting him there because like you said one of the things i look at the uh, nfl mock draft uh, database website there was four top 100 running backs currently this was in this past draft class currently in this upcoming draft class before the college football seasons even started and some new guys explode on the scene there are eight top 100 running backs where's Brees hall gonna fall you talk about Bijan Robinson. There's probably a couple running backs that by the end of it, you're going to be talking about gaining value and getting ahead of Brees Hall next year. You're going to be talking about Brees Hall maybe well, I'm dropping saying at least to four. the tail end of RB one, if not becoming an RB two. Right now, that I would mm-hmm. fucking that I'd situate above him without like playing talking, a fucking snap. Like you you're said, talking Bijan Robinson. You're talking Jameer Gibbs. You're talking. Zach Evans, you're talking. There's a lot of names that you could be talking that could be taken over. So, like, if you're taking them in startups, I feel bad for you. I feel like that value may go down, and we we agree it will go down. If you got them in your rookie draft, good on you. And if you have the opportunity to flip them, I think there's a opportunity. If you're able to get a first next year, maybe two firsts. You damn well do it. If you can get two firsts, you damn well do it. Hundred percent. I wouldn't even think twice about making that. You'll see a player in a first though. A player in a first first. would be fine. To me, like, one guy that I love that I was getting in thrones and maybe his value is going up, Brandon Ayuk in a first, I'd do it all day. Oh, Ayuk. So, like, there's definitely a world where you can do deals like that, and I would probably do that deal because you can probably get a running back who's going to get a better opportunity next year. Look at all the free agent-to-be running backs. Look at all the openings next season. It's going to be such a crazy year next year offseason predicting the running back position. Let's move on to the Buffalo Bills, though. James Cook garnering some hype. We've gone back and forth in a group chat of ours where there's a guy who vehemently believes in James Cook. We don't necessarily believe uh, like him. The Bills running back seems to constantly be a fantasy need every season, and he gained some nice draft capital, obviously, that is driving that hype up as well. Singletary ranked 19th in carries. He had 188 last season, 11 per game, and that's only becoming fantasy down only becoming relevant more down the back stretch of the season when they finally gave up on Zach Moss. Um, he also ran 16.8 routes per game or 286. 
this was a fun stat I pulled. This ranked sixth among running backs, and he only saw an 8% target share. That was 31st amongst running backs. And James Cook is going to come in and probably take the passing down work. But that stat stood out to me for people who are hyping James Cook and believing in James Cook. He finished the season with five straight top 15 performances. But there's people who believe that Devin Singletary is just going to be driven off the road by James Cook and he's not going to be relevant at all anymore. I completely disagree. I think we see a Batman and Robin situation again. Because that's all that James Cook was, was a Robin to Zamir White's Batman at Georgia. Um, so do you believe James Cook and his receiving prowess is enough to completely usurp Devin Singletary and make him fantasy relevant? Since May 2nd on Underdog Fantasy, funny, Devin Singletary, RB33, James Cook, RB34. So Jim, I leave you with one final thing. The Bills haven't targeted a running back more than 100 times in a season since 2017. They haven't targeted the position more than 100 times since 2017. Plus, they ranked 13th with 27 rush attempts last season. Let's not forget the 122 carries and 32 red zone carries that Josh Allen took last year alone. What are your thoughts on the running back position in Buffalo? James Cook, Devin Singletary and the impact of of Josh Allen. Man, at RB33 and RB34, there's one of them I'm taking, I'll tell you right now. And that's the motherfucker that has been linked as the QB1 saying, and I quote, I want him on the field as much as possible. So if Josh Allen, the man that they paid an exorbitant amount of money to, wants that running back on the field. I'm pretty sure Josh Allen is going to get that running back on the field. I mean, it was it was adamant enough to get a, one running back uh, drafted in the first round for a guy that got paid that much, right? He want, One of them wanted a running back, and they drafted one in the first round, and that's Pat Mahomes with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So uh, with Josh Allen believing in him, that's all I really need to know, man. Um is James Cook getting hyped up by the fact that his last name is Cook? I think so. A little bit. Is it a little bit happening because he comes out of RBU? I think so. A little bit. Um, is it because they see a potential juggernaut offense and, and wishful thinking because they missed out on the Devin Singletary for so cheap the year before, before he went on that five-game run? I think so. Right? Like, and all you need is the hype on him. All you need is like him to, to catch a couple couple passes in OTAs and, and a couple preseason games where they're meaningless and they're going to let him have a little bit of run and guys are going to see James Cook look good and he's going to shoot up even higher. And if you drafted him in a rookie draft, that's great. I mean, what, 202, 207 range, I think. Uh, is the ranges where I was hitting them at. Uh, I seen them go like 105, 104, 107. That's all too rich for me. There's still other guys I'd be taking. Um, here's a move I really, really like. If you missed out on Devin Singletary in your dynasty leagues, so you grab James Cook because you like the third down, uh, third down uh, back ability, why don't you try to flip him for Devin Singletary in a little bit? I like it. You still get you still get a little bit of peace, and you're going to get a little extra. And he's actually the running back that's getting drafted behind Singletary, but yet still valued ahead of him. I think that's unbelievable. 
I also think like when we were talking as well in in that chat, the, the there was mention of well, Devin Singletary is in a contract year, so they don't want to have to pay him or vice versa like that. It, teams don't think like that. They're going to do what's going to be best and what's going to get them to win, and they don't care about your fantasy team at the end of the day. They're not just going to say, we don't want to pay him, so we don't want to see him do well. This isn't the first rodeo for Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary a couple years ago was fantasy relevant and did really well. This year, they tried to give an opportunity to Zach Moss, and it was excruciatingly painful to watch Zach Moss just throw it away, throw these opportunities away. And then when Devin Singletary was finally given the volume role again, boom, look at this guy. And he didn't even have the PPR relevance, really, because he wasn't even getting the targets. He wasn't getting the target tree. He wasn't getting the receptions. He was doing it all on the ground and by getting touchdowns on a high-octane offense. So my concern with James Cooks becomes, okay, you can get the PPR role. You can get the third-down role. I mean, it's been since 2017 since they've targeted the running back position over 100 times as a whole. So you can go ahead and you can take that role and you can go ahead and you get your 60 or your 70 targets and X amount of receptions with your average five to six carries per game. What is that going to equate to you in the offense if you're not getting the all-important red red zone and end zone touches? If that goes to Josh Allen and Devin Singletary, Stephon Diggs, Dawson Knox, those types of guys, what's going to be left there? This is a high-octane offense where last year I said it, this year I'm going to say it again, I'm Josh Allen. And I'm Stefan Diggs or bust pretty much. Unless I drafted some of these guys in my rookie drafts, I'm those two guys are bust in this offense because that just feels like the constant direction that this offense is. You can never find consistency with the rest of the options to trust them enough. So that, yeah, that's absolutely. My my rant there. But we'll move onward and upward to the Miami Dolphins quickly. Um, I don't. Will McDaniel operate similar to Shanahan with the Dolphins' backfield? Rankins over the last three years in rush attempts in San Francisco. In last season, they ranked sixth with 29 attempts, 14th in 2020 with 27 attempts, and in 2019, they ranked second with 32 attempts. Plus, they targeted the running back 22% or more in two of the last three seasons. Running back fantasy production was top five in 2019 and 2020 with over 30 points per game at the position. The big question mark was always who. I think this year in Miami, if the big question mark is who, I think that the question has kind of been answered. Yes, they brought a whole lot of names in, but the guy with the biggest paycheck is Chase Edmonds. You paid Chase Edmonds, you brought Chase Edmonds in. I think the outlook based on coach history is nice for a running back, but who to choose becomes a different story. Chase Edmonds got the money. Mostert's got the McDaniel pass. To me, I'd like Chase Edmonds here because he's going as the RB36 and underdog. Everybody wants the wide receivers in this offense. Nobody wants Tua. Nobody wants the running backs. Mike Gesicki's fallen out of the top 12 tight ends for ADP. Edmonds is the most effective of the bunch. He was the RB23 in fantasy points per game. It's a clear-cut RB2 behind James Conner last year. He was 32nd in weighted opportunities, averaging only about 13 opportunities per game. And seeing a 29th-ranked red zone touches because, of course, James Conner took all the touches. And he was number nine in yards per reception, ninth in true yards per carry, and seventh in yards per touch. To me, they paid this man for a reason. I think that this is a guy who's going to get the majority of the touches. And I think it's insane that this guy is going behind the Buffalo Bills quarter running backs that we just talked about. 
The first running back off the board in Miami is going RB36 with this history that Mike McDaniel has. Crazy to me. Crazy. And I understand this probably just trying to decipher who to take. Do you take him? Do you take Sony Michelle? What do you do you like who, who are they going to give the targets to? Who are they going to give the opportunities to? But I think Chase Edmonds is going to have great opportunity. None of them. You take none of those fucking Miami backs. At RB36, you wouldn't even care. take that shot. No, there's other guys, man. There's other guys. I'd rather take Devin Singletary at 38. Devin Singletary and, and James Cook with 33 and 34. So you oh, have to pull them way. before. Either way, I'll take them. I'll take them before. There's other cats. There's other cats. Like, um, where's I just think his the old, history the old, uh, there. Where, uh, fuck him. Where's his old where's his old teammate James Conner going? Back in Arizona. Yeah, I know. I meant like his ADP. Let's oh. see. RB what? 27, 28, 30. Let's see. I bet she's higher than that. I've I've been seeing some hype trying to draw. He's going as the RB15 in underdog. Woo! Oh wow, that's really high. He's rich. He's rich. He's going up the three four turn. He's rich. This underdog is with, like I said, underdog is with the redraft spin to it. So I, I'm assuming he's going at the, as a back end RB2 in, in Dynasty, like probably in that ballpark, maybe even below that, like a high end RB3. But still, like, I don't know. RBPPR consensus 16, man. Jesus. Sleepery 17, Fantrax, he's 20, FFC 22. ESPN, he's twelve. Holy fuck! It's rich. It's rich. You're you're you're, yeah. you're leaning on last season being a repeat or last season happening again, and hopefully no injuries because he did play fifteen <coughs> games last season, which was the wow, most he's I'm played not. in his entire career. So I'm not necessarily prepared to believe that. But you're out on Miami. You're out on the Miami running backs. That's fine. Yeah, Get out on the Miami running backs. I'm on my Miami, absolutely. What about the New England Patriots? Let's run through the New England Patriots quickly before hitting on the wide receivers and tight ends. The Pats continue to make a further mess of the running back room. Obviously, we're now looking at what J.J. Taylor, Ramondre Stevenson, Damian Harris, Pierre Strong, James White, Kevin Harris. You name the you name a name. They're probably in New England right now. Um, it's not your typical situation for investing. They may be dirt cheap, but that's because you struggle to decide who's going to be played each week. Um, Pat's RBs ranked number two in fantasy points per game, yet their RB one and two last season finished as the RB 18 and the RB 44 in fantasy points per game in PPR per underdog since the draft, the ADP of last season's RB one, Damian Harris is RB 31 and last season's RB two, Ramondre Stevenson is RB 38 while strong Harrison Taylor are all going 100 or lower. I'm out on this. I'm out on this backfield. I've always been out on this backfield. I tripped on a Damian Harris share in a league, and that is the only share I will ever probably have in this backfield because you can never figure it out. It's like the San Francisco 49ers backfield, except worse, because at least they really like to use them once they find a guy they like. The New England Patriots continue to flip-flop between the guys, and you have to hope that, I mean, Damian Harris at RB18 in fantasy points per game was really good. But now this year with the investment that they made with Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris in the draft and James White coming back, it just makes no sense. The, the, the situation makes zero sense to me. 
Um, up until the report last week, uh, I was all over James White, cheap as fuck, uh, savvy mm-hmm. veteran, PPR monster. That was the guy. But up until the report that I read last week, where there's indications that he's not even going to be ready until yeah. significant parts of the season, uh, I'm out. Like, what? You're supposed to sit on a cheap asset like that on your bench? Like, I don't know. I don't know. It's not. I'm out. I'm out on them too now, man. Like I said, the one cat I was getting out was was James White, and uh, that was just because of the value and the PPR aspect and the veteranness of it. But with the like I said, the latest reports of him not being ready, uh, I think I'm totally out. In this in this division, the running backs are going all over the place. Like really low. Brees Hall's the only one who's being drafted above like RB thirty right now. In underdogs. So, like, there's a lot of value to be had if you choose the right guy. And that's why my gold is Michael Carter, because I think he can be the right guy. He's going, what did we say? RB46. He's cheaper than Damian Harris. He's cheaper than Ramondre Stevenson. He's cheaper than the duo in Buffalo. Um, he, he's cheaper than so many. He's cheaper than the Miami Dolphins. He's cheaper than Chase Edmonds. And I think he's the highest opportunity to outperform that ADP. So, uh, give me. Give me his gold, Michael Carter. Give me his fool's gold, Brees Hall. I feel like he's not going to get the PPR touches. He's going to have to do a lot of work on the ground. And um, I think that that could end up being cause for concern for him performing to the ceiling that a lot of people expect him to have. Anything you want to add, Jim? Any any gold, fool's gold you want to throw in there? Yeah, I like that. Um, fool's gold, I'd have to agree again with Brees Hall. My gold this time, though, would happen to be Devin Singletary. That's Ooh. the cat that that I think uh that I think can can push the limits anyway. I like it. Let's move into the wide receiver position quickly. Um, fun fun fact: the New York Jets have the hardest schedule for wide receivers next season. The Miami Dolphins the third hardest, while the New England Patriots have the eighth easiest. Last season, this was fun to pull up. Outside of the Buffalo Bills, the Jets, the Dolphins. And the Jets the and the Dolphins and the Patriots each had 12 top 24 wide receiver performances. So they had less top 24 wide receiver performances than there were in uh, games in a season. So that is how very ugly and unpredictable the wide receiver position like position is going to be for us to decipher. Buffalo Bills. Plain and simple for me. I said it this season. For me, the stance remains the same as last season. And I said this on the same episode last season. Digs or bust. Digs, since arriving in Buffalo, has seen 160-plus targets, 100-plus receptions, 1,200-plus yards, and 8-plus TDs in both seasons, averaging over six receptions a game and over 72 yards per game. Buffalo is a top 10 pass it opportunity offense with 37 pass attempts per game last season, yet four wide receivers outside of Diggs combined for eight top 24 performances. Beasley and Sanders each had three. Davis had one. McKenzie had one. Diggs had nine top 24 wide receiver performances last season. Understandably so, Beasley and Sanders are gone, but Crowder, OJ Howard, and receiving back specialist James Cook come into the fray. Worse yet, despite the Bills targeting the wide receiver position, the second most in the NFL, 408 times or 70.7%, only one of their wide receiver finished as a top 40 wide receiver in fantasy points per game last season. 
Jim, it's digs or bust for me. I don't. I'm not buying. I'm not buying McKenzie. Crowder got signed. Crowder's there. Yeah, fucked with McKenzie. No one's and buying Gabriel, McKenzie. Gabriel Davis is super volatile. You shut your dirty volatile. mouth. Shut your dirty mouth. But he's volatile. Shut. Dirty but mouth. You know it is. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he is. But what is going to happen, according to Roto Baller, is he's primed for a huge year. So that is what I like to see. Um, listen, man, here's here's something I want to tell you guys for all seven of you that you're listening. Um, find good, reputable sources like Roto Baller, like Jordan Schultz, like um, Fantasy Pros. And when they put out a blurb like primed for huge sec or huge massive year, the sky rocket stock market happens. Now start looking to flip. Um, I'm a big believer in Gabe Davis, as I just told Connor, shut his dirty mouth about him. Uh, <laughs> I liked him when I was scouting Cartland Sutton, but the fact remains, and I think he's gonna be a good, good player. I've been on this show adamantly saying that. The signing of Sanders was to help Gabe Davis last year. And when they let Sanders walk, it said everything I needed to know about Gabe Davis's uh, development because they wanted Sanders to develop Davis in the aspects of the game that they thought he needed a little bit of help with. He was good in the red zone. He was good on the jump balls, on the uh, on the fade route that everybody hates to run in that red zone, but they always end up doing it anyway. And he just needed to be a little bit more physical. Uh, a little bit more crisp in his routes, and, and I think that's what Sanders ended up giving it to him. Now, with the vacancy of Sanders, Beasley, fucking a whole bunch of guys, there's already a little bit of hype on him, and his value went up, and now his value is going to go up again, but there's going to be dips in it. So, like, when he doesn't perform well, and he gives you that 60-yard game, five touch, five catch, 60 yards, no touchdown game, you're going to be a little bit disappointed, um, and the value is going to dip. But then there's going to be games where he where he pops off for three touchdowns and, and 72 yards, right? And, and then I don't know, man. Then you got to buy him. So like, he's cheap enough now. Like he's he's worth the uh, the juice is worth the squeeze. I'm sorry for the rant, but like the juice is worth Makes the squeeze sense. on Gabe Davis. He he's Great. worth it. Um, it's an easy cop out. I heard uh, someone on Twitter say. And I want to use this. Uh, he says it's an easy capo, and it doesn't give you much uh, analytical advice when you say player X is a good best ball player. And I originally argued with him and said, well, Amari Cooper back in the day was a good best ball player because he gave you 52% of his known production on the entire fantasy year within three fantasy games. Well, that's the epitome of best ball player. You have fucking 14 games, 13 games. You have no idea where he's going to play for and three, he pops off for fucking 40. That's a best ball player right there. He'll be frustrating as all hell in redraft and dynasty because he's going to oh, be volatile, yeah. but he is an incredible best ball player, like you said, because he's going to end up getting slotted into your lineup, forced slotted into your lineup when he goes off for that 40, 50 point night that he's, he's going to do gonna have two like, times, three times this season. Well, you know, he's going to have a two touchdown game, a two, three touchdown game. What do you have in the in the playoffs? Four? He had that four or five. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That huge game. Like he had that massive gonna, day. He has trust with again the arguably the QB one in fantasy football. Everybody wants to say this motherfucker is gonna slang 50 TDs. Um, who's catching them? Right? Like who's catching them? My man Connor says digs are bust for 15. 
Um, still needs like 35 up there if you think he's going to throw 50. Even if you think he's going to go throw 30, it's still 15 more touchdowns that are up. Even if even if Diggs has this enormous year of like 1,200 yards, 15 touchdowns, and goes like Devontae Adams on a, uh, on the league style, um, that's still 15 touchdowns that are up in the ground, right? Up in the air, like conservatively saying, and like Josh Allen's going to go throw 30, you'd think, right? That's a conservative number. 30 Fair. 15 touchdowns. I got to go somewhere else. Dawson not, Knox, not... OJ Howard. Dawson Dave. Knox and Gabe Davis and, and Devin Singletary. Fair. So what's I that? just want to point this 15? one thing That's five. Out. That's five guys. That's five TDs right there. I gave him. I just not even point fucking... this out. He's going as a wide receiver 24. Perfect. The man, the man has never had this 600-yard season. He has back-to-back 35 reception seasons, though. So you're you're going with your gut. You're going with the gut going that he has taken over. I'm going with the skill that I've seen him produce on an actual NFL field. Yes, I and listen. That's why if I'm if I'm if you're holding me to gunpoint and you're telling me Gabriel Davis or Isaiah McKenzie. I'm going to go Gabe Davis. It makes the most sense. Of course, sense. Of course Isaiah McKenzie's dirt cheap, but Isaiah McKenzie also has a ex- really ugly floor. And his ceiling, we don't even know what his ceiling Everyone thinks his ceiling is Cole Beasley of last season. Nobody's going to be Cole Beasley. That's like Julian Edelman and people thinking, oh, someone's the next Julian Edelman. No, it just doesn't wow. happen. Nobody's just going to take over. When they brought Jameson Crowder in, that should have been your son. Yes, okay. On paper, Isaiah McKenzie might be the starting slot receiver. We've seen this before where then they go off and have 30, play 30% of snaps all season. So he could be the guy who first steps on that field. And when they do the announce, the announcers do their name, it'll be I'm Isaiah McKenzie from blah, blah, blah University. <laughs> and he will run his one route and be off the field for somebody else. Like that is what they mean yeah. when he could be the starting slot receiver. So I think that needs to be taken with a grain of salt. Let's uh, go through the Miami Dolphins quickly. We actually kind of touched on them quickly. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle are both going as top 15 wide receivers, yet the QB who will feed them is going as a QB 17. To me, the math's just not adding up there. This is such an intriguing circumstance because the QB is being pushed down while the wide receivers are being inflated due to the presumable yak ability. Um, Do you think... Tua can sustain a low-end wide receiver one and a high-end wide receiver two. Some Somebody's wrong here. Somebody's wrong about Hill. Somebody's wrong about Waller. Somebody's wrong, very wrong about Tua. Because if he's able to sustain those two things, then there's a major swing and a miss on Tua happening in the community right now. Listen, if Tua's allowed to do that and he does do that, that means we swung a miss twice on Tua. <laughs> we swung a miss and said he was good. Then we swung a miss and said we gave up on him. But That's we're swinging and missing to give up on him at the same time that like 90%, 95% of people are, are giving up on him. But yet there's buying the wide receiver. It, it makes no sense. To me, the math just doesn't add up. Things just don't add up for me in, in the Miami situation. I love Tyreek Hill. Don't get me wrong. And Tyreek Hill is the one to own, I think. If you're talking Tyreek Hill or you're talking Jalen Waddle, like you said, you didn't pay this guy $25 a year. You didn't start this whole string of wide receivers, this mass chaos that's happening in the wide receiver market. You weren't one of the reasons that this happened. 
because you're giving the guy 90 or 100 targets. You're going to feed Tyreek Hill 130, 140, 150 targets. You know you're going to. So to me, Tyreek Hill would be the one to own of Hill and Waddle. And Tyreek Hill, to me, makes the most sense of being the guy who can be sustained in this offense. But two top 15 wide receivers, I'm out. But I will take Tyreek Hill. Hey, let me ask you something. Is it just me? Like, I'm interested to see what kind of bullshit Tyreek Hill ends up doing in Miami. Like, Miami, like, man, you can do some fucked up shit, Miami. <laughs> like, that is, some, uh, that's one way to think about it. Like, you can do some fucked up shit in Miami. The only thing I ever heard about in Kansas City was barbecue. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I'm going to be interested to see some wild videos of of uh, him, him doing some partying shit, man. Like, after a game, after a win, uh, I don't know, going on the boat, maybe fucking wrestling alligators. I want to see some crazy-ass shit going down in my head. <laughs> of course, you know that the position is bad to talk about for fantasy when we're talking about what's Tyreek going to do when he goes off in a game. Uh, New England Patriots. Jacoby Myers, obviously the dynasty darling there. Um, the ranks out mediocre, literally very mediocre, worse across the board. He was a wide receiver in 35 in fantasy points per game last year and apparently is just finding the end zone away from being a stud or being really good. Um, Patch wide receivers ranked 21st in points per game as a unit, the worst among the four units in this division. Um, they ranked 24th in pass attempts per game while ranking ninth in rush attempts. Obviously, we talked about that. Could that be the vanilla offense? Could that be just not wanting to let things rip for Mac Jones? And the offseason saw the Pats add a return specialist in Taquan Thornton and another mediocre wide receiver in Devontae Parker, who has finished inside the top 30 in fantasy points per game only one time in his career. Sure, there's likely a value there, but maybe it's just because the wide receivers have such an ugly floor and such a mediocre ceiling. That's all I got to say about the Patriots. I think they just, the wide receivers just have ugly floors. They have mediocre ceilings, but Parker and Myers are currently going as wide receiver 62 and 63 and underdog. So you can take your shot. You can let it rip there with one of those two guys. And I'm sure one of them will give you some luck. It's a good fantasy. It's a good best ball play. The cop-out, the best ball play. Um, but if there was one to own, I think it would still be Jacoby Myers. Like you said previously, the the target share is there. The rapport is there. It just makes the most sense. He's showing the safer of the floors, and he's showing that there is a potential seal in there. So Jacoby Myers, if I had to pick one there. Oh, absolutely. It's Jacoby Myers. Like I said, it was a totally vanilla offense with Mac Jones on the leash. Like you said, what, 24th in, in pass attempts, ninth in rushing attempts. So is it all right there? Like, um, that swing's going to happen a little bit more and more in favor of the passing game. As Mac Jones, I believe, gives Bill the more confidence that he knows what he's doing. He does know what he's doing. All these evaluators in the pregame process said like he had a good whiteboard. The kid, the kid was good on the board. That's huge. You already saw the tools in, in Alabama, and you could see him a little bit there. The course is Jacoby Myers with a twenty-one and a half percent target share, or something like that. Like he has a good target share. It's crazy. Um, mm -hmm. He's just those touchdowns away from from uh, from being that. Jeez, way better than fucking wide receiver 62, I'll tell you that. 
Um, but like I said, they you give him what seven, eight touchdowns, he actually starts getting in instead of falling on the line like he was instead of Julio Jones ended up your whole goddamn career there. Uh, he was a the, wide receiver, yards. 35 in fantasy points per game with two touchdowns because he wasn't scoring. That's it. That's it. Two touchdowns is to his name. You add five touchdowns, six touchdowns to that and make him a seven, eight touchdown guy. He's a top 24 wide receiver. Easily. Easily. That juice and you can totally get him at a wide receiver 63. He's going behind That's gotta be one Parker. of the dirtiest stacks in football right now, man. The Mac Jones, Jacoby Myers, the fucking Big Mac stack. Fucking the, co- the crazy be one thing of the is dirtiest. that doesn't have to be your first stack. You can probably no. stack Josh Allen <laughs> and Stefan Diggs and then stack Mac Jones and Jacoby Myers rounds oh, yeah, and rounds later. Stack. Like He's that's crazy that that can be your second stack and it has a very high upside to perform. Very right. high. Wide receiver 63. Like I'd have to look at the number. I think it was the draft pick was at 150 or something. Like you can get him so deep. It's insane. That's so, nuts, man. And the New York Jets. Um, <laughs> I headed as Zach Wilson's development is key for this group of wide receivers. They do have the toughest schedule this season. So there's a part of me that thinks that there could be a value on Elijah Moore and, and Garrett Wilson if they don't perform to expectations at the uh, mid-season, end-of-season mark, especially with, with a hard schedule. Um, Moore was a wide receiver 28 in fantasy points per game, but seems to be trending in the right direction. He had a 14% target premium. This means he produced 14% more fantasy points per target than any other Jets pass catcher. This was good for 17th among all wide receivers. His target share and his target rate were 30th and 45th among wide receivers. So Elijah Moore, like people were people were kind of worried and his value dipped because Garrett Wilson came into the fold. I think the reality check needs to be set in here. He didn't have much target rate or share to begin with. There's no further down that Elijah Moore can go. The only way to go for these two guys is up because of how putrid that offense was. And then, of course, Garrett Wilson comes in with the draft capital and the ascendant dominant college career to his name. I I don't mind Garrett Wilson, and I don't mind Elijah Moore. Honestly, I don't mind either of them. I think that people overreacted to the fact that they think Elijah Moore is going to lose touches the target rate and the target share are there for you. He wasn't getting much of the touches anyways. So Yeah, but the problem is, like, the guys that own Elijah Moore, guys like me, we're already believers in Elijah Moore. You're not going to get him cheap. No. You know what I mean? Like, you're, no. you're not getting him cheap. The guys that took him believed in him. They believed talent was going to be there. Um, yeah. So, sorry to say it. If you're looking at Elijah Moore – He's not cheap. He's not cheap in any in any dynasty leagues that I'm in. In uh, in underdog, he's going wide receiver thirty one. I feel like that's a a good price. That's a that's yeah, a that's a startup price. It is a startup price. It's a redraft. It's a startup. It's a yeah. best ball price, but it gives you like I the know. ballpark that you know he's trending upwards, but he did kind of drop down. Like he he had a moment where he dropped down right after the post draft situation and Garrett Wilson being picked, but. Uh, yeah, you're, you're going to be stuck with believers in the Elijah Moore situation that aren't going to give up that easily on him. Um, but opportunity is there, and he looked good, and he performed the best of uh, from a target premium perspective of any of the other re- pass catchers in New York. So lastly, tight end position. I don't have a whole lot to say here. Um, no, you never do. 
Miami Dolphins, Mike Gesicki, he's pretty much a wide receiver. He And, I mean, we already talked down the aspect of sustaining two top 24 wide receivers. I don't really think we need to dive too deep into I don't like this circumstance for Mike Gesicki. Although he is playing on the franchise tag, he is really expensive for you, so you might want to use him as such. And they did use a lot of two tight end sets last season. The Miami Dolphins did, so that could mean Mike that we know Mike is going to be on the football field a lot. Um, but I just don't love the circumstance there uh, for him to get into the top twelve tight ends. He might get there because the bottom falls out very much. So, New England Patriots. I'm intrigued by Hunter Henry. Because he's getting older, he's a bit cheaper, he's a reliable red zone option, reliable end zone option. Um, so color me a little intrigued there. John U. Smith, that I feel like that train is is just long gone. There, there's not much more to love about John U. Smith anymore with Hunter Henry there and taking those that key work. New York Jets, the only way to go is up after you targeted the position 77 times that season, the lowest in the NFL. Uh, by uh, by a little bit there, so um, but Uzi now, but CJ Uzuma, uh, I almost think I'd rather go in on the rookie Jeremy Rucker and just hold him and wait and see what happens because CJ Uzuma and Ty Conklin are under contract, but not necessarily. There's got to be outs in those contract after year one and year two. Yeah, but man, if you're gonna go Rucker, then you take Rucker in like week fucking fourteen, bro. You can wait, yeah. You can definitely wait on him, or you can grab him and throw him on your taxi squad and forget about him for it, a couple yeah, years until you have to call him up. But uh, that would be it for the New York Jets. CJ Uzuma, like, like we talked about the Cincinnati Bengals and, and Hayden Hurst and the value that he was in our group chat. Ironically enough, the group chat was beat, Hayden Hurst was being talked about in that group chat days before that came out. That Hayden Hurst from that beat report that Hayden Hurst could be someone to look out for. CJ Uzuma showed that that offense can provide some opportunity for the tight end, but you got to be consistent with the opportunity. So, and Hayden Hurst is better than CJ Uzuma. So, uh, in my personal opinion, from a receiving standpoint, so CJ Uzuma so showed he can have the boom weeks, but eh, take it or leave it. They're going to target the position more than 20, more than 77 times. I just don't think it's going to be fantasy relevant more. And yeah, um, absolutely. Buffalo Bills, I see on that front, OJ Howard coming in, I think does some damage for Dawson Knox, and Dawson Knox didn't have much shares to lose. Dawson Knox doesn't have many targets to lose. I mean, the guy only had, I think he only had like 60 targets last season, so he didn't even have many targets given the high-octane passing offense that Buffalo was. Um, he relied a lot on that high, high touchdown rate that we've talked about in previous weeks and that you probably should have sold Dawson Knox while you had a chance um, I know some people say OJ Howard's a better pass blocker, so he's there for the blocking aspect of it. Maybe he is, but that doesn't mean that that in two tight end circumstances or one tight end circumstances that he isn't going to take some uh, snaps away from Dawson Knox that he will need to be on that football field. So I think that hurt, but I don't know who I want. I don't think I want either of them. I think if I'm taking out of all of this bunch, the safest bet is probably Hunter Henry because he's got the end zone. He's got the red zone. He's cheap. That's probably your safest bet if you're looking at a tight end amongst all these. Uh, I take Dawson Knox just because uh, – He's know, got the end zone know. and red zone too, so. Well, you know you got a homer and a league that's going to that's gonna go for him, right, and uh, see that big pie. 
and say, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a real big pie. So like a lesser share, it doesn't really matter. It's still a big piece on, on other, on other offenses. So uh, I think the value will still hold for him because he'll have pop weeks. Uh, but I don't think he's a plug and play tight end by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think anybody in this division is. There really uh, isn't much. Like you, you there's there's, there's about hold. five total in the whole league. So, I mean, the odds of you hitting them. <laughs> and there's any, guys like we show. talked about it in previous shows, like Hayden Hurst, Austin Hooper, Robert Tanya. There's guys that you can get cheaper who have the higher opportunity and the higher upside. Oh, yeah. And it just, to me, it just makes more sense that if you're going to punt tight end, don't punt it and be like, hmm, Dawson Knox, middle Hunter end. Henry. Don't don't go to the middle. Don't go to the tight end dead zone. Go. Yeah, don't, don't militear it. Go you know full what I mean? punt. Yeah. Go like full Pat McAfee here and bomb that punt. Like, full if Pat you're going, McAfee. If you're, <laughs> if you're going to punt that tight end position. Do it right. I love it. Hey, if you're going to punt it, McAfee it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, ladies oh. and gentlemen. That is our rundown of the AFC East. We spend a bit more time on the quarterbacks than I anticipated and the running backs a little bit more. So a little less on wide receivers well, we and tight ends. I but... ranted the shit out of those QBs a little bit there, eh? <laughs> So maybe we won't need to rant because we know that Jim likes Zach Wilson. We know that Jim likes Mac Jones. And we know that we missed on Tua and we like to talk about our miss on Tua. So it leads to rants. So hopefully some of these upcoming episodes, there won't be so many rants at the quarterback position. Ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the Gold Jacket Podcast. Thank you so much for watching. Make sure you rate, review, like, subscribe, wherever you are watching, listening. Um, Make sure you check out the whole True North Fantasy Football crew. Uh, you can get see them above Jim's head, truenorthffb.com, at truenorthffb on Twitter, the TNFF Network on the YouTube. Um, shout out to our sponsors who uh, our episodes have kind of come right to the hour, over the hour mark, so we haven't gotten to shout them out a whole lot. But, of course, that would be our friends over at Viridian Global putting out the merchandise. That would be our friends over at Trophy Smack giving you an opportunity to get a nice ring with your purchase of a belt or a chain or a trophy when you use that promo code TNFF. And, of course, Underdog Fantasy, who we do shout out at the top of the show. Hey, and, yo, um, you don't actually have to be a winner to order from Trophy Smack. Like You can, like, pretend if you really want it, if you're not even. Like, <laughs> some, sometimes people don't win, right? And, like, you could be the – you could fool some people if you really want yeah, or you could also be that guy to just be like, I'm buying this, and this is going to be our new tra- championship trophy, but I'm keeping it until the end of next year. And then you can feel like a champion if you want. Either way, you could do whatever you want. Just put those orders in and uh, hit up Trophy Smack. Absolutely. And, of course, um, follow Jim at Gold Jacket QBs. Follow me at Connor10, T-E-N, on the old Twitter machine. Congratulations to Jim on his Scott Fishbowl invite that he received today. He is going to go and try and defend his division title next season. So congrats on that, Jim. Two-time division title. Two-time. Two-time division title. Even better. <laughs> two-time. Two-time. So Rubik's Cube division. Hey, and what an omen. Yesterday, I finally got one side complete of a Rubik's Cube with no help from my 10-year-old. <laughs> And then the Scott Fishbowl invite. Boom. What a way yeah, to go. Exactly. But uh, for now, ladies and gentlemen, we will see you next Tuesday. This is a beginning point. This is the beginning of the rest of my life.